Well, hey, crazy pastor nation. <laughs> this what's, is Christopher Cass. What's up, everybody? It's Ronnie Marriott. What's up? It, long Love time no see. <laughs> yes, it has been a while since we've seen our crazy pastor nation. Technically, yes. we've never seen them, right? Well, they're there, I'm sure. Yes. Well, <laughs> let me just first say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that it's been since March that we have released another episode, a new episode of Crazy Pastors, but guess what? Yeah. We're back on track. Yeah. We've been super busy, so it's good to get back in the studio. We have been busy, and we have some exciting content and we've that's coming you. up. We've missed you all. Oh, deeply. Yeah. Deeply missed you. Keep in mind, we have no clue who these people are, Ronnie, <laughs> but man, we have missed you. Yeah. Yes. I know three of them, but that's fine. Well, thank you for being crazy enough to listen to the Crazy Pastors yeah. podcast. Congratulations. Truly. So, we have a couple episodes for you to listen to first yeah. on church culture, and then stay tuned because coming up, we've got some exciting topics like women in ministry, yep. like regional equipping churches. Oh, I love that one. And leading young staff. There you go. Big topics coming up. I hope you enjoy. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, I hey, thought that uh, we are in the midst right now of a series that we're doing talking about church culture. Yes. And kind of taking each podcast and, and really honing in on one of our eight cultural statements that we have as staff. Okay. And I thought... I like uh, it. Well, I do too. And I thought perhaps we might spend today's episode talking about one of our value statements, which is, if you are going to err, err on the side of generosity. I like it. Go. Yes. Air out on generosity. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Right? <laughs> I got like Michael looking me right in the face on this screen. <laughs> and and also I have to add, looking very disapprovingly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's already thinking, man, I'm scratching this what one. What <laughs> in the world am I doing here? Hey, hey I can uh, get that at home. I don't need that here. Yes. So. <laughs> Air on the side of generosity. Uh, as I was preparing for the podcast today, I was I was thinking through where did this come from, and, and when did it become a part of my jargon, and then our conversations starting you know twenty years ago. Yes. And uh, as I went through my thought journals, I found that the very first time I really came across it, and I wrote something about this, was when I read the book published by the Toyota Auto Manufacturing Company called The Lexus Story. And the story of how Lexus came about is really pretty fascinating. Toyota was already a super successful car manufacturer globally, yet they didn't have a luxury car. They had the Avalon, but it didn't compete with Mercedes, Audi, uh, or any of the other big ones that I'm sure I'm missing some names on. So they decided to launch Lexus. The big deal about them launching Lexus was that if Lexus did not succeed, and it was only in America they were launching Lexus, if that brand did not succeed, they leveraged the entire future of the Toyota company globally on the success of Lexus. It's a big gamble. It's a huge gamble. So when they launched in 1989, uh, four months after they launched, they had a huge issue. Yep. Uh, they had only five people, five people altogether out of the 8,000 vehicles that they had sold, called in to complain about an issue in their car. I take those odds. <laughs> five out of 8,000. Yeah. And none of these were wrecks that were caused or anything like that. They were small items. 
but Lexus decided to make this a big deal and to redefine for the world what is luxury service. And so they voluntarily recalled all 8,000 of their cars to address these three issues. And when people lived more than 200 miles from the nearest dealership, the most famous example is in Anchorage, Alaska, Toyota's commitment was to send mechanics to the person's home. In Alaska, they came by helicopter to this person's driveway. (laughs) Riding on the backs of whales. (laughs) To fix the problems. They were instructed across the country that they were to wash the car, they were to fill the tank with gas, and in most cases, they put a, uh, a present to the owner in the passenger seat That's when cool. the owner got in. That's cool. And that absolutely changed how car manufacturers think about uh, service. It uh, established the Lexus brand. And that just has always stuck with me. And so as I started to do my work with Dr. Don McMinn, we both really glommed on to this phrase, air on the side of generosity, uh, in what we did through Leader Summit and Lead Well. And you bought Lexuses, as I remember. Uh, Everybody well, went and bought a Lexus. <laughs> Don didn't. He, he was an Audi man at the time. Oh. But yes, I, I did, uh, I did uh, start driving Lexus at that time. Yeah. Just to experience what oh, we were teaching you. about. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> it's got to have proof. Here's my proof. <laughs> 10 years old, very I, used. I know of what I speak. <laughs> yes. You were 10 years old when you bought your first Lexus. I, yes, That's that impressive. is true. Yes. So here at our church, this is one of our value statements that we have as a staff. We yes. talk about it often. We live it out as well, and that's that's the thing I want to just talk about. There, there are kind of several categories in airing on the side of generosity as it relates to the staff and as our to our community at large and to our own congregation right. on being generous. Yeah. So let's just dive into some of these things. Okay. Uh, some of these areas. How can a church demonstrate generosity? Not in receiving it. We're not talking about stewardship. Yeah. We're talking about when you have to do something, just be extra generous. One of those, probably the most obvious, is in termination. Oh, yeah. Yes. So when it comes time to let someone go, uh, because whether it's fit or performance, whatever's going on, or just the environment changes, and you need somebody different, a different skill set, as you part ways with a staff member, we need to be generous in that process. Yeah, I think generous timeline but I mean, you got. Oh, be, now that's interesting. You say timeline. Yes, we've debated that one. We a lot. have. We have, and, and and you have to be careful with that because the the longevity. I mean, typical is a two weeks. You know, I don't. That's. I don't think that's ever written anywhere. That's just kind of the standard of two weeks notice, so to speak. But sometimes there's need for longer time periods based on the next job or whatever might occur, and that's where we've discovered that. Well, let's, we'll keep them on, and they'll continue the same job for another month or a month and a half. We've discovered or in one case that I was working at a church another year. Another year. That's yeah. We've discovered that's not the best way to do it. Again, it, there's flexibility in that, but typically after the two weeks, especially once the church knows that person is kind of a lame duck and it's awkward and weird, and especially if there was a, a need for a change, so to speak. Yeah. So that idea of, hey, here's you know, finish this two weeks out, we're going to continue to pay you. If the church is able to do that, continue on your insurance while you uh, find this other job or in this time of transition. So I think that's generous rather than say, hey, you got two weeks and you're out regardless and leaving somebody hanging in a difficult time. So number one, it means that when it comes time to part ways, we, we should have a conversation about money. Yeah, We should find out what kind of situation that person is in 
and try to accommodate the difficulty of them leaving our team. Because sometimes we just think about it from an employee-employer relationship, but it's way more than that. Yeah, you got to have rules and guidelines, but you also need to be flexible on that and realize this is a this is a real live person we're dealing with, and a family in most cases. A family, yes, and it is very painful for the family, for the spouse, and for the children, and for the children, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, and maybe let me throw this out, and you tell me what you think about it. If a church is saying, because this happens a lot, where a church says, "Look." We know we need to make a change, so we're making that decision today. We're going to make a change. Yeah. But we want to be generous. We want to give you six months from now forward. We will make references for you. We will even make calls for you. But take the next six months and try to find a job. But yeah. keep doing this job at the same time. Yeah. And it's this kind of this mentality of as long as I'm getting value from you, I'll continue to pay you. Yeah. Right? My thought is... If you're already saying to that person, look, we can putter along for the next six months, then why not take some reduced number of that three months, let's say, and I know this is crazy town, so give me your feedback. If you're already committing, you're saying, we can keep you on for six months with insurance and everything, why wouldn't you do make the same offer of saying, well, we will pay you and keep your insurance going for the next three months while you look for work, but you have no responsibilities here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it because once you know, once that person realizes they're not a fit for that place anymore, I mean, what what are they going to put into it? <laughs> you know, for one, right. you haven't seen anything that they've produced that you really feel is appropriate for the place. So how's that going to change? And it's just going to draw that misery out. You know, just because of that situation, it's painful. Even done the best way with generosity and all, it's still you can't deny it's painful. And for that person to have to come to the office every day or the week. See all those people that every, they know they're yeah, leaving. Even if nobody else knows, which you know everybody, usually all, everybody knows, but that just, just man, just keeps that wound open even more. It does. And, you know, I think that it's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that ripping the Band-Aid off can actually be a sign of generosity as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Giuliani used to say this. Uh, take as much time as you possibly can. Take all the time you can until a decision must be made. Yeah. But once a decision must be made, make it fast. What was Julie's last name? Julie Ani. Ani, okay. All right. yeah, yeah, it's all together, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, that rhymes. So, yeah, that dis- that drawing it out, the kind of get into the passive-aggressive approach, it's just it's not a good way. So it is generous once that has become very clear. Hey, this person... Needs to go on and find a better place. And we've seen that hundreds of times where someone has not been a right fit in one place, but they go to another place and they flourish like crazy. So that's even by keeping them there longer, in some sense, that's doing them a disservice, holding them back from a time they can go and really find a place they can can really bloom. We don't want to call anybody out on the podcast, so I don't want to get too specific on it. But you and I both have probably a dozen stories we could rattle off of churches that have really I think, been abusive to staff as they have left. Yeah. Uh, Punitive. Yeah. Right? Right. And I think perhaps a good rule to follow is, let's say it's $5,000. $5,000 to me is a lot of money. Yeah. But $5,000 to a church with a near $4 million a year budget is not a lot of money. Right. So if it really isn't going to negatively impact the church, then why not be generous? Yeah. That'll... Pay back dividends in the long run. It will. And just to hit the nail flush to the plank, every time that a church does a poor job of letting a staff member go and does not demonstrate generosity, not only does it hurt that specific church and in yeah. their ability to recruit 
and retain talent in the future. That's a big one. But I would even say it denigrates our work as pastors and makes it harder for all churches to attract talent. Yes. And once you get a negative reputation, it takes a long time to reverse that. And, you know, people, they're going to talk. And you, it's we say this in the Baptist world, it's a very small world, but just in the church world, there, there's right. so much connection that it doesn't take long for Kevin reputation Bacon, to man. get out. Yeah, it is. It doesn't take long for a reputation to get out there. Like, that's a tough place to work. You don't want to go there. And that's just hurtful all the way around. But again, even in a difficult situation, when they can at least say, hey, you know, this was tough. I didn't like it, but the church was more than generous to me. That leaves a good taste in their mouth and a good thought in their head about how they were handled. Let's talk about hiring, the other side of that coin. It amazes me the escalating costs of bringing new staff onto a church. I remember the very first time, and I think I even said this on a podcast before, so forgive me. I was chair of a search committee for a worship pastor, and when it came time to move that person, someone in the church said, hey, we don't need to pay movers. We've got men in the church that are able-bodied, and I have a horse trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go load this guy up and his family and bring him here. And I'll wash it out even. Well, <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, that on one side, I'm sure it's all context. That may have been a great thing in certain environments, yeah. but this church had plenty of money to be right. able to hire professional movers, take that stress and anxiety off. I mean, that family had to host us. And we're on the clock yeah. while we were moving them. Yeah. It was just very uncomfortable. Yeah, very uncomfortable. It sets a bad precedent and says, sends, sends a bad signal. So in the days of the Great Resignation, which we are in, yes, there are churches, XPs, executive pastors, for those that don't know, around the country. I'm stunned by what the hiring packages are that larger churches are offering to staff. Yeah, Things like, it's pretty much standard practice now to give at least one month's compensation up front before their first day of work. Hmm. Wow. And they can use that money. It's like Of course, that. they pay tax on it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's for moving expenses, deposits, if they want to use it for home down payment, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's kind of become the standard. Yeah. But even, even moving costs, I was talking to a pastor the other day Outrageous. that's going through a transition, Outrageous. right? I remember the last time I moved, when I moved to Burleson, I think we spent about $5,000. Yeah. And that was with us packing everything just yeah. to move our stuff really across town. It wasn't a huge move. Yeah. But a buddy of mine just got a quote, and it was $15,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And another friend shared a quote with me that was thirty. in moving costs. Obviously, you're not going to go with that vendor. Right. But these are all things that we have to be mindful of, whether... I'll tell you another one of generosity. Please do. At least in the state of Texas, again, global domination audience, this may not apply to you in your context, but in Texas, there is no requirement, there's no law that says that when someone gets their insurance from your company or your church, that they have to be there 90 days first. Hmm. Now, that's standard practice in a lot of organizations, Yeah, but I would never go to a church, <laughs> ever, that would say, well, really, days. you need to cobra yeah. it and just suck yeah. it up for the yeah. next 90 days, and then your insurance will go in place. Why not give people day one insurance? Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I shared this story in the podcast, too, I believe, so forgive me for repeating. Uh, but in a, in a search process that I was with looking for a student pastor, that statement was made that, hey, you know, he understands he's going to ministry, so he's not going to make a lot of money. 
Well, that was a huge red flag, and, and that uh, that person disappeared right after that statement. But that was kind of the like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, wait a minute. You know, yes, we do understand that, but yeah. that's not. Hold the it. Right. They know they're that's supposed to be right poor, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. So yeah, but that my concept, friend Creflo does not agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he hires a thirty thousand dollar moving company. But that's where that starts. That's where that's established at the very beginning, bringing them on that they see the generosity from those kind of things. You talk about the moving expense, you know, churches will do, hey, here's here's 10 grand. You go hire your movers. But you do have to consider taxable income, you know, is there right. a better way to do that? If the church does it, they're not taxed on that. So yeah. just considering how can we make this the best way possible? Unfortunately, a lot of times the attitude is, hey, we've got them on the dotted line, so it doesn't matter. They've already said they're coming. We've already voted. The church right. is, you know, they've already said yes, so it doesn't really matter. And that's, uh, again, just a big red flag. Doing the opposite is going to set that course for that staff member who's going to also return generosity in their ministry. Well, it certainly sets the standard up front, right? So that as they continue to work with you, there is a greater likelihood that they themselves will model generosity. Yeah, and they're not going to forget that. And the spouse is not going to forget that, and the kids are not going to forget that. We cannot underestimate the impact on spouses in transition. Well, one church I went to, they were great because they brought huge gift baskets to each of my children when we came in that view of a call weekend, whatever that was, and filled with you know, movie tickets and candy, and they they asked us what's their favorite candy, and it was individualized. So right there, as a dad— I was like, yeah. man, hey, this is awesome. I'm all in. I'll, what do you need me to do? You know, you're loving on my kids. You're loving on me. Same thing for Robin. They just came over to the house, did, you know, food, all kinds of stuff. We'll take care of the, we'll clean your house for you. I mean, it's just, but that is a, that shows the heart of a church that understands being over generous has a great impact and just, it really solidifies the relationships even faster. I'll give you, I'll give people. you another one that doesn't cost any money. I was talking to a pastor in Colorado a few years ago, and he said something to me that has absolutely just stuck with me. He asked me a question, who are you lending your credibility to? Right, yeah. Oh, man, that struck me to my core. <laughs> uh, and I, I, you certainly have a desire to do that for this staff yeah. because you are constantly pushing for social media posts about who our <laughs> staff is. Yeah. Let's get them on stage. Let me recognize them and honor them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean— Again, these things cost nothing, but you're sharing your credibility to allow others some room to shine. Yes, and I, I've changed that. I've I actually kind of reestablished that. Who are you lending your credit card to? Oh, credit. And that was uh, <laughs> that's another, but that's probably another podcast. All right. How about another area that doesn't cost any any cash money? Yeah. But churches really resist this being generous with your vacation time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, before we talk vacation, it just spurred a thought. Sabbaticals. Okay. Yes. Right? Sabbaticals are absolutely necessary. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought that until I went on one. For church and minister, everybody. It's it's necessary for everyone. Yes. To have that experience. Not that you send your church members on sabbatical. Okay. That's I just, not what I'm saying. It's it's good for the congregation. It's, yeah, it's good for the <laughs> yes. goose and the gander. Oh, uh, it really bugs me. And I know this is going to step on a bunch of toes, I know, but it really bugs me when I have an XP friend that calls me up and says, hey, I'm getting ready to go on sabbatical, and can I run my plan past you? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean your plan? (laughs) And this is common practice in the church today that gives sabbaticals that, hey, you're going to have X amount of time off, but you need to spend a portion of that in personal development, 
and you spend a portion of it in spiritual development, a portion of it, <laughs> you know, and it goes on and on, educational development. And oh, and by the way, when you come back, yeah. you need to submit a report to the personnel committee to tell them about all the things that you learned while you were gone. Yes. If we don't like what you turn in, we fire you. <laughs> or we charge you for the sabbatical. Yeah, yeah you got to reimburse us. <laughs> right. But I was like, yeah, what does sense does that make? And then you know, one of those things are usually filed right in the trash can. Like, no, yeah. Okay. It's not like anyone, you know, a year later reviews that or thinks about it, right? But also that should just be ongoing, right? We're, we're doing that on a regular basis. Sabbatical, you don't have to set aside a month ever five or seven years to do that. That's just ongoing. So to say we want you to do this and write it all out, I mean, just that's just work. That's not rest It's more work. It's more work. It, which is why our policy is we have a shorter sabbatical than some. Ours is 30 yeah. days, but we ask nothing. Yeah. This is for rest and relaxation. Yes. Right? Yeah, go away. And I really think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Now, coming back to vacation time. Let's do that. Uh, my wife recently changed jobs. She is a senior designer top in her field, and at the place where she worked before, she had seven years and had just gotten three weeks vacation. Yeah. Compare that with, uh, she's a brand new hire at another place that gives her six weeks vacation. Wow. Now, six weeks is typically a 20-year veteran at a company before you build up that much vacation, and she got it day one. Did they apply her previous work history? No, it was for the position. Okay. Just the, the position that's, we had six weeks wrote vacation. It in there, regardless of yeah. your, your first job or not. Yeah. And well, that's why I like our policy, right? Our, we, we take in consideration. One week. <laughs> one week, yeah, whether you need it or not. Yeah. <laughs> no, now, we do have... we, we fo- Our policy is, right? <laughs> our, well, our me. policy is for new hires, they get two weeks. But our generosity shows, yeah. when we say, Biz, this has been a recent conversation, yeah. that if you have used your vacation... And you still need vacation, and we can tell you need vacation, yeah. you're going to get more vacation. Yeah, but we also consider how long somebody's been in ministry, how long they've been working in ministry, well, not just here. Yeah. Right? So we we balance that on, hey, this guy's used to having four weeks. You know, he's been in ministry for 30 years. And, ah, no, we're going to bump you back to two. Ah, that's yeah. not right. And that I, I'm, I'm grateful for that, yeah, right? Because I've never lasted more than a year or two at any place <laughs> yeah. over 23 years. I've been so. 100 years doing ministry. <laughs> I got three days. <laughs> hey, and can I can I brag on our church just a little bit? We do desire and aspire to be a regional equipping church. Yes. So this issue of sabbatical, there are certainly churches out there that cannot afford mm-hmm. sabbatical, and it was really a, a proud moment, not prideful, but a proud moment yeah. that our church agreed to step in and help a local pastor go on sabbatical. Right. The church that he serves doesn't have the resources to be able to send them and then hire somebody else for that time. Yeah. So we agreed to step into the gap, not only to provide compensation, yeah, but also to provide help to uh, help run the church while he was gone. Yeah, and he doesn't know that we're actually taking it over. So that'll be <laughs> oh, a great no, no, surprise no. when he comes back. <laughs> oh my gosh, can we edit that one out? <laughs> run, no. Pastor, run! <laughs> no. But also, talking about bragging, our state convention, which we are part of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, better known as Texas Baptist, had also set up a fund to help churches send their pastor, lead pastor on sabbatical. They couldn't afford to do that. They quickly ran out of money because they right. had so many applications. Right. But, I mean, for a convention to do that, which has a greater budget and a greater yeah. resource, that was that was pretty but cool. But isn't that great for us to be able to tag on to yeah. and say, hey, if the convention's willing to do that, why don't we right. match that? 
yeah. for, for churches yeah. and so, really show some generosity. Hey, another idea I want to make sure we get to is generosity in ideas. A good example of that for us was we have a self-select community food pantry where it's yeah. like a grocery store, a small grocery store. Yeah. But people come in with a cart, and they have a personal shopper, and they get to pick their own groceries, including fresh produce, including meat and dairy and all those things. And uh, they came to us because, the the leaders did, because the walk-in freezer that we had was dying a slow death. Yeah. And so they came, and they gave us a PO and a proposal for a new walk-in freezer. Yeah. And this is where I think generosity and just just being open-minded about things, this was a fairly large purchase. Walk-ins are expensive, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. And we said, look, let's just pause for a minute before we spend this. Let's talk about the bigger needs of promises. Yeah. And as we did, we actually decided, well, we don't need a new walk-in freezer. Yeah. Well, we don't need just a new walk-in freezer. Yeah. We need that. Yeah. But what we really need is a new building yeah. to surround that walk-in freezer and provide a greater experience for these shoppers that come in. Yep. And now we have it. And now we have it. But you know, I, I think it's just a good idea for leaders in general that when you're presented ideas, it's very easy, especially when you spin in a fast RPM, to either accept or reject ideas like that. Yeah. And instead, just pause a little bit and think through what more could we do here? Well, and generosity has it's a wide scope, right? It's a wide spectrum of what you can be generous with. I know there's like a, I'm part of a group of pastors in Fort Worth area, as well as a group of pastors here. And oftentimes we share sermon ideas. We're always talking about, you know, you've got Sermon Central, which is a website. You can download your sermons and share those. But we just said, hey, if there's something that, you know, I've preached and you're interested in that or you're going through a book I've already preached through, hey, I'd be happy to share my notes and my ideas. And I've, I've utilized several pastors' notes and stuff. Of course, you make it your own. But just using that resource, they've already done the study, and so I have taken that. No one's ever asked me for one of mine, but I've <laughs> used several around uh, the community, and I'm not afraid to, to use um, or share if you need one. Well, and that leads to the last segment I wanted to make sure we talked about, and that's being generous with your time. Yeah. Now, as pastors, this is uh, counterintuitive, right? Yeah. Because, well, of course we're generous with our time. We do home visits. We will do hospital visits, you know, pre-COVID. We will do funerals, weddings. We spend lots of hours here working, but that's not quite what I'm talking about. I'm talking specifically when other churches, other pastors, other ministers reach out and ask for help on a thing. Yeah. Take the time out of your schedule to do that. I learned this with, uh, well, a pastor at one of the conferences that we were doing came up and asked if I would meet with him on a regular basis. Yeah. And I thought, well, why would he want to meet with me? I was really the, his last resort, honestly. Yeah. As the story unfolds, this guy throughout his career has reached out to several pastors and asked for the same thing. Would mm. you just meet with me and spend some time with me? Yeah. Let me bounce ideas off you, yeah. uh, and let's pray together on a regular basis. And he had been rejected at every single request. <laughs> and that stunned me. Yeah. And it was such a simple thing for me but such a huge thing for him. Yeah. And I just, that really set a tone for me. You yeah. know, when people on the outside of your walls want to spend time with you, yeah. make time for it as best you can. I'm not talking about salespeople. I'm not talking about, there are some people we know that are time wasters. Yeah. Well, I got a call a year and a half ago, I guess, from a guy that was, he was a teenager in one of my churches when I was pastoring, and now he's a pastor. And he was in another state, and he said, hey, you know, would you be interested in just mentoring me? I, I have a guy that, 
we worked up the arrangement. He said he would, but you yeah. know, I never hear from him. He never calls. When I call him, he's too busy. Would you be willing to be a mentor for me? So sure. I, you know, a lot of it was over the phone, obviously, so it didn't take a lot of time, which reminds me I need to call him. I hadn't talked to him in a while. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> just teasing, just teasing. But I was like, especially, yeah, you can lend a little bit of your time and, and do it. Don't say you're going to do it and not do it. So that that's... Uh, that's a lesson I learned. We try to live it out, and we have our staff that helps hold us accountable to it. Yeah. But let's be a generous church in all the ways that we possibly can, with staff, with our time, even to the point of tipping at restaurants. Oh, yes. Please do not be the miserly pastor that right. no one wants to wait on. Yeah. Please be generous even when you tip people at restaurants. At least 20%, right? At least 20%. At least 20%. At least 20%. Yeah, in this day and time. So. Yeah. That's good. Well, Ronnie, thanks for being on the podcast today. That's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. If you found this content helpful, please leave a review on your listening platform. Share the episode with a friend. If you have a question, comment, concern, complaint, or criticism, please email those to me at Christopher at crazypastors.org. Does that mean this is my last session? Last one. <laughs> really appreciate it, Ronnie. <laughs> You're so generous. <laughs> <laughs>